Hi friend, do you ever feel like standard leadership advice just doesn't work for you? Well, welcome to Leadership from Within. In this podcast, we will discover your unique leadership style. We dive into the world of MBTI and the Big Five. We shape leadership strategies that truly fit you. Join us on this journey to find out the one-of-a-kind leader you are. Let's get started. Today, we're joined by Brian Fujera, the Chief Product Officer at Simpler, a leading healthcare software company. With over two decades of experience in healthcare, media, internet, software, and the government sectors, Brian has built a reputation as a skilled team builder and a talent developer, known for delivering outstanding results in highly competitive markets. He was named to the internationalist Next 50 Influential Marketers for rebrand synergizing effects on the company he worked for. In our conversation today, you'll discover how Brian, as an INTP leader, leverages his natural strengths to maximize his leadership potential and foster an effective team culture. To start our conversation, Brian delved into the experiences that have significantly shaped his leadership principles. You know, I think the the concept of servant leadership was strong within the military, and and you have to lead by example. Really, those are the two big things that I took out of there. One is, you know, you never ask your team to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself, and you have to demonstrate that every single day, whether it's sharing meals or doing the dirty work or whatever it might be for your particular task in your career. You have to demonstrate the willingness to get in there and do it, so that they understand that you appreciate what they're going through. And that you've been, you've done it yourself. And I think the servant leadership part really is clear, where you show your team that you're there for them, regardless of whatever's going on, that you have their back. And if you have to make a course correction or a behavior change, you do that very privately. Brian's military background and his adoption of servant leadership principles become central to his approach to leading and implementing change. In the rest of our conversation, you see how his adaptability and innovative mindset, supported by strategic thinking, also become powerful tools for restructuring organizations and guiding them toward greater achievements. Let's first hear from Brian about the universal leadership principles he further summarized after he transitioned into civilian leadership roles. I think this, you know, being flexible to scale with different kinds of organizations. Comes down to having a, a basic toolkit that can be applied no matter what the size is, and it,、um, from my perspective, that's really about the your performance as an individual. No matter what size of company you're in, you have to do well.、Um, your performance as a leader and recognizing talent and being able to build a high performing team and holding that team to a level of performance that. Um, excels relative to、uh, your objectives, and then I think the third thing is understanding、um, the the culture that you're in.、Uh, a small startup has a very defined culture、uh, that's very different from a large enterprise,、uh, and you have to be able to adapt to whatever that culture happens to be.、Uh, for me, those three things have always worked really well,、um, and I've been able to. Navigate the different environments,、uh, regardless of the size or the industry. INTP has a desire for a deep understanding of systems and structures. This approach helps them adapt their strategies and actions to be effective within the given situation. In Brian's case, this is how he quickly understands the culture of a new business environment. 
That takes conversation and and not being afraid to ask questions. I think for me, um, you know, I try, especially whenever I come to a new company, I really try to spend a lot of time with people who have been there a while. Um, the 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 overt leaders on the organizational chart, um, and then those who have the influence who are not overt leaders, and really get to understand what's the what's the real operating system of the company. How do you really get things done? Who are the people who can make things happen? Uh, who are the people who think they can make things happen but really can't? Um, who can you count on to deliver? And then um, working hard to be one of those people that can be counted on to deliver uh, results necessary to drive growth. In your bubble or in your sphere, there are always people who emerge as either experts or influencers or those that you can see are easily getting things done. And those are the ones that stand out um, for those conversations where you're really trying to understand how does the company work? And um, they're the ones who can give you the the greatest insight into what you need to do to be successful. Brian went on to describe his initial approach to influencing group culture. Actually, to encourage others to change and mirror your actions, it's essential to start by mirroring them yourself. I think no matter what, you, you initially end up being accepting of the culture simply because you're the new person. And nobody wants to be the one that walks into an organization and says, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. However, you can kind of keep a list of the things that you that you think might be improved. And over time, as you work your way into the culture and into the company, you'll recognize opportunities where you can speak up and say, hey, maybe there's a better way we do this. Or maybe we shape the team culture to do that. Or you model those behaviors and have people then mirror you. Um, and it's just a matter of very quietly and politely offering alternative ways to think about the culture that you want your company to have. Brian continued to explain how to choose the right timing in different environments to drive the change. You continue to notice how his strategic thinking and adaptability play a key role here. The timing comes down to the state of your new team. If you inherit a team or you're building a team, you have the opportunity right away to set new standards and, and norms for what you want the team to be. Um, if you inherit a team that's super high performing, then you want to understand what's make it, making it so effective and keep reinforcing those behaviors while slowly introducing other things that you think can help it perform even more. If you're building a team from scratch, then it's an opportunity to set those standards and norms right from the beginning. But I think the hardest, the most tricky one is, is the team that's kind of okay. And they're the ones that are going to be sort of stuck in how they do the things that they're doing. And that's where true leadership has to take effect because that's when you're trying to get them to think about doing things in a new way, challenging the status quo uh, to get them to look at new potential um, processes or new tools or new ways of working together and part of that is demonstrating the behaviors that you want. It's also, it's also working with one or two of them to be your new culture champions and getting them to demonstrate the new behaviors that you want. Uh, but ultimately, you're going to have to lay it out for the team and say, look, if we, if we start changing how we behave, we can perform at a higher level. Um, and this is, this is my, these are my expectations. And um, then you hold them all to that new level of expectation. In the beginning of the conversation, Brian highlighted the significance of recognizing talents in his leadership success. Next, 
You see how an INTP leader effectively leverages the strengths of others to complement his own areas of lesser proficiency, especially in aspects related to extroversion and sensing. As a product leader, I, I, there are things that I'm really good at. I am an, a good strategic vision kind of product leader. I am not the strongest product operations kind of person. Like, how do you do what you do every single day? What systems do you use? How do you set them up? That has just never been my strong suit. So I have to hire and make sure I have somebody who is actually really strong and focused on those things. Similarly, I need somebody who is more extroverted than I am um, to deal with the fact that I'm not and to help counter for that or to augment it. Continuing the discussion, Brian detailed how strategic pairing of team members can drive project success. He shared a specific example of combining naturally inquisitive individuals with high achievers. The inquisitive types tend to excel in exploration and questioning, whereas high achievers are more focused on goal attainment and practical application. A, a very project-specific view of um, asking people to work on a particular project to go drive it to whatever the successful completion is. I think the diversity of skills, talents, personalities all has to be taken into account to make sure that you're that you're driving for success. The other one that has to be taken into account is leadership and followership. So who's capable of being a follower if somebody else is the leader of the team? And making sure that the people on there are not all trying to be the leader. And sometimes that, that can cause some, some conflict that you don't really anticipate unless you take that into account. I've had a lot of luck pairing uh, naturally inquisitive people with high achiever type people. And as an example, um, when you're when you're investigating or when you're prototyping a new technology, the inquisitive people will start asking a ton of questions around how can we apply this technology? What are the applications that we can can bring to market? What do we need to know to be successful in implementing it? You know, they, they go through the five whys and, and even more questions around just how do we do this? Conversely, the high achiever people that are paired with them are already starting to think in their mind, how do I take this and make it concrete? And so there's the ethereal part of it where they're thinking about how do I, how do I take advantage of this? And then there's the achievement focus on how do I do this? And they pair up really well um, in the initial stages of prototyping a new technology. The challenge then becomes when you translate from the prototyping to actual commercialization. And in this case, what, we, what we've done is that we've established a team focusing on the prototyping, lots of good people asking a ton of questions, um, achievement people making sure the prototype happens, we set them up for exploration and for creation of prototypes. Then there's a second and different team with different skills and different personalities focused on actually bringing it to market. When an emerging leader climbs a corporate ladder, they often encounter gaps when transitioning from lower level to higher level leadership roles. In the next part of our conversation, Brian discusses these gaps, particularly focusing on the transition from a director to a VP level and what one should be aware of during this critical career shift. I was lucky enough to work for a gentleman. And during that time, he really helped me make the transition from being a director to a vice president and then beyond. 
the biggest thing that he shared with me that I that I still use to this day is sort of about how the thought process uh, for the individual needs to change as you transition from level to level in your career. Uh, as an individual contributor, you're focused on your work. As a manager, it's your work plus your your team's work. As a director, it's a group of teams or a group of programs. And then the, the thing that he taught me the most was that when you make that jump from director to vice president, your thinking has to change from you to the company. And everything that you do after that is about what, what can I do for the success of the company? And so sometimes that means you have to sacrifice things on your side and your programs or the resources that you think you, that you have um, to drive something else in a different part of the company because it ultimately leads to the greater results for the overall company. And that I think is the hardest transition that I've seen people make is that they can't, they can't make that jump from, um, this is me, this is my group of resources, these are my people, these are my programs, to then how does that all fit for the company's behalf and the overall results for the company? And that's where I think people get stuck before they can make that jump from director to VP. Climbing further up the corporate ladder, Brian also highlighted the challenges faced when transitioning from a VP to a C-level position. At that point, it's about executing at a higher level of scale um, more than anything else. And so if you're a VP, you've got a set purview, you're executing a number of programs, you're driving results for the company. Moving from there to the C-level is really about can you scale to do it at a higher level across the entire company in whatever your function happens to be. Or if you're a general manager, across all of the functions. And that tends to be a big challenge as well because you've got to be able to demonstrate that you can really extend your leadership across the entire company and work collaboratively with the small group of leaders who are trying to do, all do the same thing. For those interested in nurturing future leaders, Brian shares valuable insights drawn from his own experiences. He reflects on the leadership lessons he learned during his early years and provides two specific examples that significantly shaped his approach to leadership from a young age. I think the challenge when you're young is understanding how not to be a leader uh, and the things that you, you shouldn't do to, um, you know, to, to keep your team rallying with you. I can I can think of more examples of things that I shouldn't have done in my interactions with people than the things that I should have. And then it is an effective way that if you can carry those lessons forward, um, it does provide a foundation of, of being able to recognize what's good versus what's wrong. And then you can take it from there. So I think a couple of things affected my approach to leadership from when I was younger. Um, first off was just playing in sports. Uh, I was an active participant in sports year-round. Uh, being part of a team from the earliest ages really teaches you the value of teamwork and then um, how to lead your peers. Uh, whether you realize it or not, that's what's actually happening, especially when you're that young. Uh, and then uh, I was lucky enough to attend uh, a private high school, and that gave me an opportunity really to start developing my my leadership skills. We did a lot of team-based work um, where we took turns being the leader of the team so we could learn how to work with our peers and lead them uh, to the completion of a task. Wrapping up our chat, Brian led us on in a hobby of his that's actually been a big part of shaping his approach to leadership. I love to read. Every night I'm reading 
And it helps me uh, just get exposed to new ideas, uh, new things to try. I'll read whatever I can, uh, fiction, nonfiction, gives me an opportunity to really sort of just keep my mind active and to think about different perspectives on, um, you know, whatever we happen to be facing that day. Thanks for being with us today on Leadership from Within. We hope you found inspiration and valuable insights to empower your leadership journey. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to subscribe and share it with others. And remember, if you have any specific questions about leadership, we're just an email away. See you in the next one.